In today's episode, Kerry Wright from our Community Legal Education Branch will be speaking to Katie Wrigley from our Government Law Team about what to do if you have clients who have come to Australia on a temporary visa and their relationship has broken down due to family violence. Find out what options are available to people in this situation, whether your client is eligible for a family violence exemption, and how you can refer your clients to this service. This is Law for Community Workers on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Kerry Wright. Our guest today is Katie Wrigley from the Legal Aid New South Wales Government Law Team. Katie is a Senior Solicitor in Immigration Law. Katie also assists with other areas of Commonwealth Law such as Social Security, Visa Cancellations and the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we're recording on today and pay our respects to their Elders past and present. T came to Australia on a partner visa. After she arrived in Australia, her Australian partner became violent and aggressive. Legal Aid helped T make an application to stay in Australia permanently on the grounds that she had experienced family violence. We helped her to collect and present the evidence she needed to show the violence had taken place. We also helped her apply and get special benefit from Centrelink to support herself while she was waiting for a decision. Around nine months after the family violence exemption application was made, T was granted Australian permanent residency. Today we're going to be talking about how community workers can help their clients if they have come to Australia on a temporary visa and their relationship has broken down due to family violence. But firstly, Katie, could you tell us about your role within the immigration team? Uh, yes, so I work with a team of around 10 general government law solicitors at head office at Legal Aid who each do immigration cases. And I also supervise the work of four immigration outreach solicitors who see clients around Western Sydney. They're through appointments that are booked through our partner organisations, places like Auburn Diversity Services, Western Sydney MRC, Core Fairfield, Bankstown Legal Aid and Sidwest Blacktown. Mm-hmm. So the, the core sort of client groups that we look to represent are victims of family violence, asylum seekers, making claims for protection, judicial review matters and visa cancellation cases at the AAT. We okay. also give some advice on issues like citizenship, overseas travel and family reunion. Okay, busy caseload then. Yeah, quite a lot. (laughs) So at the beginning, I mentioned a client story which represents the clients you assist. What do you find most rewarding about this work, Katie? I think it's rewarding working with a team of specialists who are expert in what they do and the client focus that the team has in terms of uh, very trauma-informed legal practice and a team that has clients at the centre of everything we do. Mm. It can be very satisfying as well to tell someone that they're safe and to that they now have a permanent visa and can move forward and start to rebuild their life. But I think it's, it's really satisfying to work with a great team of lawyers. Thanks, Katie. So now let's talk about your work and what community workers need to know. What type of temporary visas might people be on when they're referred to you? So we're referred clients who hold all kinds of visas. They Mm -hmm. could be on a student visa or a visitor's visa. They could be on a skilled visa or they could be on their partner's visa as a dependent. The main group that we're keen to get in touch with are those who um, have applied for a partner visa and are then on either a bridging visa or a temporary partner visa. And if people are on these temporary visas, uh, refer to you after their relationship is broken down due to family violence, what are they most worried about? 
We find they're often most worried about some pretty immediate concerns, like their physical safety, uh, where they can go to stay for accommodation, how mm-hmm. they can survive in terms of financial support, and whether they'll need to leave Australia or whether they can stay here. And I think something you mentioned to me was that people sometimes hear that their partners can cancel their visas. Can partners cancel visas for the person they're sponsoring? No, only the department or the minister can cancel visas. So that's something that we're often telling people for the first time if they've become, uh, they've, I guess, been led to believe that their partner holds that kind of power over their visa status. Yes, yes. And it can be news to them to find that it's actually a relationship between them and the Department of Immigration that needs to uh, be managed and they need to update their department of their change of address. And it's only the the department that can cancel a visa, not the partner. No, that's good. Good to clarify that then. So how do people get referred to your service? There's a number of doors and there's no wrong door in terms of how people get to us. They can come via one of our outreach locations, the centres that I mentioned earlier around Western Sydney through a booked appointment out there. Okay. They could call us at head office and ask to be put through to the immigration team. For calls that are coming to us where family violence is identified, that's a priority Uh, matter for us and we'll try to arrange for someone to speak to them on the phone as soon as possible so they can get that advice of about whether or not the exemption is possible for them but I think the number one source of our referrals at the moment is our partnership with the domestic violence unit within legal aid okay so um, anyone seeing one of our solicitors where an immigration issue is identified gets referred through us internally to our team and that's the best way uh, I guess holistic to get help from legal aid on the issue to start with the domestic violence unit. So that way the safety issues can be addressed through an AVO at the same time, if necessary, as well as referring it through to us for immigration help. Okay, so it's important to ensure that the person and any children in the relationship are safe before talking about visa issues. Safety first, yeah. And the good thing about... um, internal referrals we receive through legal aid is that those solicitors are quite expert in letting us know any safety concerns for that person whether it's Mm. whether we have to text first whether it's not safe to call between particular times and they can pass on any specific instructions about how we can safely access that client that's particularly important where a person hasn't yet made a decision to leave a relationship Mm. where there's been violence um, and is wanting legal information about the consequences if they do And I guess it also helps that the person doesn't have to repeat their story. Exactly, or repeat their address or date of birth. (laughs) We've got all that information already. That's right. Which is great. Thanks, Katie. So we'll make sure we have the Domestic Violence Unit contact details on the homepage for this podcast. So what's the best way for community or health workers to get a client or a patient to see you then? I think the best way is to work out the client's location and whether they can come to see us at one of the locations where we deliver immigration appointments. Right. And if so, book them in to see us there. If the matter's urgent and the appointment's too far off, then I think calling the number at head office and explaining the situation to us would be good. And if there's family violence, I think the best pathway is to refer them to speak to a solicitor from Legal Aid at the Domestic Violence Unit. And what about people who live in regional or remote areas in New South Wales? Can they go to their local legal aid office? They can go to their local legal aid office. Um, So, yeah, and they can have that matter referred to the immigration team at head office. For regional or remote clients, we do um, telephone advice from head office. So I think referring clients through to our main telephone line or our um, email address or to the DBU's main email address and telephone line. 
Okay. So we'll put that on the home page as well, your contact details, so people can use that or have that on hand if they do need to refer someone. Yeah. Uh, so with the lawyers in the local legal aid office, do they sometimes call you for some help when dealing with clients yeah, in that area? Yeah, they do. Um, mm. I mean, what makes it easy is if we can partner up with either a, a local legal aid solicitor or a local community organisation if someone's in a remote location so that there's oh, okay. a, a place where the client can access a scanner and a you know print out documents, sign it, send it back to us. That can mm. make the process a lot easier. So, oh, well, that sort of leads on to my next question is what information do you need from the client before giving legal advice? Um, We need some basic information, so the the client's name, their phone number, uh, date of birth, preferred language and whether they need an interpreter. Mm -hmm. Um, We need information about whether there's safety concerns about how we contact the client. We like as much detail as we can about their immigration history, when they came to Australia, how they came to Australia, what visa applications they've made and what visa they're currently holding. Right. We particularly love seeing a scanned copy of the photo page of their passport because then we can look those details up for them. Oh, okay. Through the Department's Vivo website. Um, and then we can work out what their current visa is, which always helps, particularly if a person's not sure themselves or mm. is scared that their ex-partners cancelled their visa, like you mentioned yes. earlier. And um, you mentioned interpreters. Is Do they have to pay for an interpreter to be um, part of the interview process? Mm. No, we'll arrange to call them back with an interpreter for free. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good to know also. So do people have to wait long to speak to you if um, they make a referral? Because we prioritise family violence matters, um, we'll generally be able to call a person back with an interpreter within 24 hours of the initial referral just for one-off telephone advice about their options. Right. Um, so that's something we've tried to prioritise. The The appointment times that outreach can blow out from time to time in, on general immigration advice, but family violence matters we do try and prioritise. Uh, and what happens after you get a referral? So we will try to deliver that initial service, that initial right. advice, work out where a person's up to in the process. Some people haven't yet decided to leave a relationship like mm. we discussed. Some yeah. people have already left, they've told the department and they've received a letter giving them 28 days to provide uh, material back. So where a person is up to in the process will then inform the next steps that our team needs to take. And what options are available for people on temporary visas? in these situations? Yeah, look, on temporary partner visas, the good news is that they can work and they can get Medicare and remain in Australia until the permanent partner visa application is processed. Right. They can also get special benefit from Centrelink if they've experienced a substantial change in circumstances beyond their control since coming to Australia. The family violence would, would count as that. However, I guess for those who haven't yet been granted the temporary partner visa, they're either on a bridging visa while they're waiting for it or or some other situation, there's no financial support available. Right. Also, on a temporary visa, generally, it can be very hard to get accommodation and as many refuges prioritise women on permanent visas. Right. Yeah, so it's tricky. Um, But do you have networks that you use to try and help with that or the domestic violence unit? Um, It's an ongoing issue, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, we do try and um, 
arrange accommodation if we can, but it's a, it's a, it's a priority, I guess, issue for policy reform mm-hmm. is the availability of accommodation to women considering leaving violent relationships on temporary visas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, does it matter if they have a child or children from the relationship? Yeah, it does matter. Um, where, the, um, where there's a child to the sponsor it, for, for the partner visa situation, that child themselves will usually be an Australian citizen. Right. Um, and for the partner visa applicant parent, there's a separate ground for the grant of a permanent visa if the relationship with the sponsor breaks down and there's been a child of the relationship. Um, so currently the Department of Processing those child of the relationship applications um, much quicker then right. they're processing the family violence exemption application. So wherever there's a child of the relationship and, and family violence, um, Legal Aid normally pleads both of those mm. exemptions to see if one can work quicker than the other. Yes. So the sorts of documents we really like to see from community workers would be a copy of the child's birth certificate. Yes. Um, and I guess any parenting orders uh, that might exist in relation to the child so that we mm. can put that forward to the department. Um, that the child can also mean that the um, the parent might be able to receive special benefit where they wouldn't otherwise be entitled to it with Centrelink. So okay. it's not a lot of money, but it can help people in that situation who don't have any other sort of source of support. So when you um, you said quicker, what mm. does quicker mean? <laughs> Is it very long or? Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, in the um, in the example uh, that we mentioned at the beginning, nine months was quoted mm. as a figure. I think it's fair to say that. It wouldn't be unusual for have a 12-month delay on from the time you provide that information to the department to then the grant of a permanent visa. Right. There's quite a lot of backlog in the processing of those partner visas yes, for yeah. the family violence exemption. So that's something as well that we're, I guess, aware of and trying to um, reduce wherever we can in terms of making everything very easy for the department mm. to see that the grounds are clearly made out. Yes, yeah. And if the person's eligible to apply to apply for a family violence exemption, um, what additional assistance can legal aid provide, and how can the community health workers assist with that? Yeah, so um, people in that situation are eligible to apply for aid, and that's one of the circumstances we can grant aid and represent um, those eligible to apply for a family violence exemption, which means that we go on the record with the department as their lawyers. We take responsibility for getting the required reports and presenting the evidence to the Department of Immigration. The department um, can accept, for example, a a letter from a GP or a letter from a a refuge or family domestic violence crisis centre and they'll accept a statutory declaration by a social worker or a registered psychologist. So how community or health workers can help us would be letting us know the contact details of any of those professionals that the person might already be in touch with so mm-hmm. that we can then make the request. Okay. Or I guess to, at that initial stage, connect the client to those kinds of professionals mm-hmm. so that um, at the same time as they're referring the client to us so we can start the process quickly. Mm. And do you have... Um, contacts throughout the state of the types of professionals or you just have a you just look for them depending um, on where they are well often it's it's a matter of starting with your, your local gp oh, okay. in terms of the referral to a psychologist yes um and the refuges as of, as we've mentioned can be difficult to get into mm. um but yeah i guess if any community and health workers are in touch with victims of family violence mm. if they're able to make those referrals 
at the same time as them making a referral to us, that would assist us enormously. Do you find that GPs are are good with helping in these situations, like writing letters? Uh, The letters can range in terms of quality of of what's required. So Mm. um, we generally would write a letter to the GP making clear exactly what the requirements are from the Department of Immigration. And if a letter doesn't meet those standards we need to get in touch with the GP again and Mm. say unfortunately this is unlikely to be accepted by the department because it doesn't cover Mm. one of the three points that we've asked you to to address and can you please comment on that specific point. Okay so you you do help in that process to make sure you've got all the the evidence is likely to be successful Mm -hmm. yeah. So what if um, people refer to you are not eligible for the exemption can legal aid assist at all and what options do they have? So if someone's not eligible for the exemption, we can give them advice. Or I guess the next step is to advise on their options outside of that process. So we advise on family stream visas and um, refugee visas. So the next step would be to see if they qualify for any of the other family stream visas they could apply for from here in Australia. Or otherwise, if there's a real risk of um, significant harm or a well-founded fear of persecution in their home country would be interested in exploring that to see if they'd be able to make an application for a protection visa successfully and if neither of those options are open to the person or look like they would have a strong chance of success we generally refer them off to see a private solicitor next to see if there's any student or skilled or working visas they could look to apply for. Okay so you try and find an option for them and explain what the options are and make those referrals. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And does it matter if there is or isn't an apprehended domestic violence order or ADBO as we call them in place? Yeah, look, for the family violence exemption, a final um, ADBO is satisfactory evidence that the violence taken place. So it, it matters in that the existence of that order is then the end of that inquiry about whether it's taken place. So if someone doesn't have a final um, order or or any order, they're still able to make the application uh, for their family violence exemption, but it will mean they'll need to provide different kinds of mandatory evidence. Okay, Mm. all right. And what about family law orders? I think you've mentioned them before, but are they important as well to have? Yeah, if there's a child of the relationship and that's the ground for the exemption, um, the partner visa applicant needs to demonstrate that they have responsibility for the child or Mm. contact with the child. So if there's no orders in place, people already do have responsibility for their own children under the law. But if there is a family law order, then we'd be looking to see what that says for the purposes of the permanent visa application. Mm. And I guess sometimes those family law orders might also mention violence in some context. Yes, they might. Yeah, we'd be Mm. keen to see what they say. Mm. In terms of the other person having access to the child or spending time with them and what the decision is. Yeah, and it's such an important thing uh, for people to have their permanent residency sorted out in that situation so they're not looking to imminently depart Australia. Mm. Yes. Okay, well, I think we've covered all of the information that you can provide to community <laughs> workers, Katie. That's It's incredibly um, interesting area of work, I think, and quite complex as well. Mm. Um, so finally, as you know, this podcast is for community and health workers. So what key messages would you like to leave them with 
if they have a client um, or patient on a temporary visa who's separated from their partner due to family violence and doesn't know what to do? Um, I think the first thing would be get immigration advice early. So it's mm. crucial for people in those kinds of situations to have access to accurate information about their situation and their options. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I would say tell us what's happened if the client's already told you so they don't have to tell us again. Yes, good point. And get copies of any documents that you have access to. Um, we're very keen in the immigration team at Legal Aid to make things as easy as possible for people in those difficult situations mm -hmm. to get help from us and not to have to retell their story too many times to different people. Yes. Thirdly, I would say safety first. So mm -hmm. if they, if you're aware of or <clears throat> if you could ask the person if there are any particular concerns um, that we should be aware of, it's always important to remember someone attempting to leave a partner who's violent or unpredictable, it's quite a scary situation to be in and mm -hmm. making sure lawyers at Legal Aid know some basic information about any particular steps we need to take to keep that person safe when they're attempting to do that, for example, don't call between these times or whatever it is, can be very useful information for us to have in order to keep that person safe. Mm -hmm. And I guess one of the key messages we often give, try to give to community and health workers is their trust in us is important to pass that on to their client who may not have had positive experiences with lawyers in the past, mm. maybe from the country they came from. So building up that relationship with us or building up a, um, a, a sense of trust that they'll be able to get good service from us and that it's free and all that is, is really important as well. Yeah, we're very keen to provide the best trauma-informed practice we can. So if there's mm -hmm. anything in particular we could do, if they could let us know that, that would be great. Right. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Katie. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye for now. tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please make sure to share it with your colleagues and let us know if there's a topic that you would like us to do an episode on. We'd love to hear from you. Our contact details are in the episode notes below. Until next time, thanks so much from all of us here at the Community Legal Education Branch at Legal Aid New South Wales.